Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner, Eddie Gagnon! And in the opposite corner, Kristen Gagnon! This is What's Special About Special. Uh, I wanted to say that. Well, hello there. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> oh Eddie, I don't want to be here all night. Welcome and thank you for joining us. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Kristen. Your voice. Hi and welcome to another episode of What's Special About Special. Today we'll be interviewing Eric Vols Benoit. And on this episode, we talk with Eric about his experience navigating the foster and adoption system. Eric has some fantastic resources for our community. So please join us as we have a fun chat about the ups and downs of raising special needs children. All right. So uh, we'd like to welcome to the show, Eric Valsbenoit. Uh Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, super pumped. Eric is a parent of how many children, Eric? Uh, currently five, but we're working on a couple more. A couple. <sighs> just working on a couple more. That's just. Yeah, we talked to our social worker today about uh, a potential placement. So we'll see. I mean, huh. we've been foster parents for about 10 years now. That's exciting. Uh, I kind of call us a foster failure because we tend to adopt the kids that come to live with us. <laughs> I like, I like that way of putting it. Yeah. It kind of limits our ability to take more foster kids. Cause we just keep them all. Yeah. Well, it's like more of like a instant foster success, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you, you, <laughs> it, it doesn't even, it. yeah, they're, they're, it, it ends right there. That doesn't sound awesome. like a failure at all. <laughs> no, nah, to us it isn't. These guys, the, the kids are fantastic. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you ended up with five and adding and, you know, and a little bit about you. So I'm, I'm, I'm a nurse. So I kind of, you know, I kind of do my taking care of people thing. I like to take care of people. Um, you know, when my husband and I got married, we were, I, I was all about having kids. I've always wanted to have a big family and he was like, yeah, I'm not so sure how I feel about that. So you won. Well, a few years in, he kind of gave in. He says, you know what? Let's go ahead and try for it. So we we tried for a few years and we weren't very successful because um, surrogacy is is horribly expensive. I mean, yeah. it can cost anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000. That's insane. That's a it house. It is absolutely insane. And at the time, we had a couple of German shepherds. So DCF doesn't like to talk to you if you have German shepherds, Dobermans, or pit bulls as a foster parent. That's crazy. It's kind of sad. So yeah. as our German shepherds kind of aged and um, eventually passed away, we were like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to get any more dogs right now. We're going to call DCF and see about what we can do. So we called them up and, you know, we took our classes and we did everything we were supposed to. And, you know, oh, you know what? I'm going to have to back up here because I got two of my kids before we hooked up with DCF. Okay. <laughs> I forgot we got a couple of those free range kids that you can pick up, you know, down the road. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, the free range kids. No, um, 
Yeah, see, I'm trying to jump ahead and not spend the whole hour talking about myself. Don't worry. How does that work? How do you pick up kids before DCF, before all that? So we had hooked up with uh, one of those Catholic, uh, one of those religious adoption agencies. Okay. Um, and we'd worked with them for probably three years. We didn't have a whole lot of success. Um, I'm not sure if that we just had a horrible home study written for us or, you know, nobody wanted to go to a religious agency and adopt two dads. Um, I don't know what the story was, but it took a really Can I just long say that's, that's us. amazing. First of all, like that's kind of, uh, funny. <laughs> like when you think about the irony, is that what you're saying? Yes. We can be real. Oh about yeah. It. The, the, the <laughs> irony is amazing in there. That's what? But, the, well, absolutely. But because they were operating in Massachusetts, they're legally not allowed to discriminate against any family. Well, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of, pro- there's probably a lot of same sex families looking to adopt. You can't be in Massachusetts and at least in Massachusetts and you can't be in Massachusetts and be in that industry for lack of a better word. And be discriminating against anybody you're not going to help place families that's for sure yeah correct i mean it's it's there's such a huge deficiency in the amount of foster homes in the state to begin with yeah but to discriminate against anybody because of who they're married to or what they look like uh, it's just it's like shooting yourself in the foot yeah right well you'd think that other states would think that way as well (laughs) it surprises that they're not Intelligence isn't for everybody, Kristen. Okay. (laughs) I'm actually from the deep South and I lived in the deep South for a few, for quite a few years. Um, So I'm kind of used to states like that. Yeah. We shouldn't be used. It just shouldn't be a thing we have to be used to. It should just be. It is 2020. I mean, you hope that some people would come out of the dark ages, but yeah. What can you do? Yeah. So we had, we were getting really frustrated with this agency that we were working with. The, the social workers were fantastic. They were really supportive, but we weren't getting any hits. And a girl that Dennis went to high school with um, had had a baby who had had some medical complications and wasn't expected to survive. So he was in the NICU for about, at about week three, the, the medical team told the mom that this was it and she should get him baptized and uh, turn off the ventilator. Wow. So mom did that. Um, <clears throat> she prepared herself to let him go and uh, they turned off the ventilator and he breathed on his own. He was a fighter. He is. He's a fantastic fighter. Well, she got him home and the poor mom, I mean, she was a single mother of now three kids, one of them with medical issues. Yeah. Um, and it was really difficult for her. And one of her other kids was, it's a lot of sibling rivalry. So it was not easy for her. So at about, I want to say at about two months old, she was realizing that he, she couldn't do it. She couldn't meet his medical needs and take care of her other kids who were difficult to deal with at the time as well. So she had reached out to her circle of family and friends to see if anybody could take him. That's a big choice um, to make. I mean, that's a big, I mean, and I mean, kudos to her for even like make it to, to t- have the forethought of making that choice. We hear all the time that there's mothers who are neglectful or don't make a, a choice to think for, to have a forethought, you know, in a way of, of absolutely reaching I mean, out to anybody for help. Yeah, it definitely took a lot of strength on her part to realize that she couldn't do it. And and maybe she, I, I'm not sure, but maybe she looked at it as that she didn't want 
somebody like DCF involved in her life. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or his life. Yeah. Or his correct. Yeah. Um, so we heard about, um, this through, Oh, okay. It's a convoluted story, but basically her ex fiance's family, uh, knows Dennis's family. So that's kind of how we got hooked up and we actually met her and the baby at, um, her ex's house who she was very close to. And, and she was like, Hey, would you guys think about taking them? I know you guys are looking to adopt and we're like, okay, sure. Wow. <laughs> so that weekend I picked him up on Friday night after work and he came to stay with us for the weekend just to, you know, a trial baby, yeah. Yeah. Just to see how things went and he never left. Wow. Um, that mom called on us on Sunday night and she says, Hey, what do you think? What time do you want to drop him off? I'm like, we're not dropping him off. He's home now. Wow. That's awesome. I'm like, I have like goosebumps right now. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, can't even handle it. Yeah. Instantly we fell in love with him and it was hard not to, I mean, he was a cute little funny looking baby. Um, Now that's a big deal. You, this isn't just, Hey, here's a kid a baby, a newborn or a baby, you know, this is a kid who had at that point, I'm assuming some major medical needs, right. That you're just taking on. Yeah. He had seizures. He had some breathing difficulties at first. Um, but when he came to stay with us, he was relatively stable. Okay. I mean, he was feeding good, um, which he had been on a tube feed in the hospital. So things were going pretty good. Um, then we ran into some issues <clears throat> with the state of Massachusetts. Uh, apparently private adoption is not legal here. Oh, okay. So at that point now you're just <laughs> hanging out with someone else's kid. Correct. And we were trying to figure out how to go about this. We contacted an adoption agency and they said, oh yeah, we can do it for, you know, we, we generally do this for $20,000, but because he's special needs, we'll give you a discount. We'll do it for 15. We'll give you a deal. Yeah, we'll give you a deal. Hey, the plus uh, the plus side of special needs kids, you get a deal. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> what a deal that and is! Very, something. very nicely told them where to stick their deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So then we pursued it through the legal system, and actually, what happened was we went to um, juvenile court, and we um, we obtained a guardianship of the of the baby. Okay. Of Zach, he was. I think he was about just over three months old when we got the temporary guardianship. And then um, when we went back for the permanency hearing, uh, the the biological mom actually went with us and uh, stood up with us and said, you know what, judge, you're going to be an idiot if you don't let these two guys take care of my son. Oh, that's awesome. So the judge approved the guardianship and we have been his legal guardians ever since. That's that's insane. That's like the best story. Yeah. And he'll be 13 this year. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. 13 in December. I can't believe it. That's, that's, that's awesome. Crazy. Yeah. So that's how he came to us. Um, and then not long after that, we severed ties with the religious um, adoption agency mm-hmm. and a friend of ours had started his own adoption agency with some grant funding and was working with all of the DCFs across the country. Okay. Oh, wow. So it was really kind of cool. And we had, it's, it's weird thing. It's, it's an, it's a website called adopt us kids. 
and it's it's a creepy like catalog of kids pictures with a little snippet about them that's eddie's favorite he loves going on the site what is the one like the mass one the massachusetts one mayor yeah mayor and he just checking out he's always like hey you know we could foster look at these cute kids i'm like stop now okay we we've already had a child with a disability. Like it's, it, it would be number three. And then even after three, um, no. I, right, Eric, you can vouch for this after three. It's like nothing, right? It's, it's, it's after three kids, you can have like 20, it's three, 20 doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. They start to play with each other and occupy each other. So exactly. they don't need you as much. Right. Sometimes. Okay. Well, so, and I know like it, right? we want to be young and stuff. And I so feel like just, I want to like the adopt like the older kids. Like I just want to like instant kids be like, let's out. jump on the trampoline. We'll have a Nerf war. Then we're going to play some Legos <laughs> and then <laughs> we're going to end it off with some Call of Duty. Okay. Okay. Right, rock, rock. Well, we're so close <laughs> to the end of the line where we can like go out to dinner and have <sighs> like a life again. I'm good for now. But think how, life, it's of the happiness. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Our house is very tiny. Mm, yeah, you'll have to work on that part. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm comfy. <laughs> it's not very tiny. I can make it work. Okay, well. <laughs> I have this cabin that I can fit more people than this house. Yeah. So. Anyways, okay. So, not long after that. You so, have we this- hooked up with my friend's agency, and we saw this kid that we had applied for previously, who we knew had some special needs, um, and... We had been declined. Okay. So we saw he was back on the site again. So we called our social worker and said, Hey, you know, we're interested in this kid. And it was really funny because this kid's foster parents were retiring. So he needed to be moved fast. So everything moved really, really, really quickly. And this, this little boy was in Oregon. That's far. Yes, exactly. Across the country. It's very beautiful. I love it out there. Um, Oh, the country. Okay. It's a state. <laughs> oh, the state. <laughs> I thought you were kidding. You Geography didn't. is not my strong point. <laughs> I thought okay. you were joking. Store, right? oh. That was amazing. Yeah, and I was almost at geometry. Okay, you're okay. done, Doc. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. How how old was your at him at the, how old was he at this time? Yeah, Ty was Ty was two and a half okay. at the time. Okay. So it was funny. We get a call from our social worker saying, Hey, they were, they want to select you for, um, for this kid, but we have to close our agency because we ran out of funding. Oh my goodness. So it was really kind of cool. He kept the social worker on to work with us until the adoption was finalized, but we were selected to be this kid's foster parents. We flew out to Oregon to meet him. We brought him home and and um, a year later, the adoption was finalized. Wow. So yeah. Jeez. I'm like visualizing the process of him, like just running like Indiana Jones, where it's like, your foster family's retiring. They're closing this place. <laughs> it's, like, it's like everything's coming after him. Like and a- then everything still worked out, which is great. You just slid right in. Yeah. <sighs> it's kind of crazy because nothing ever works that quickly with DCF. No. I don't know if you've ever known anybody who's worked with DCF, but everything moves at the speed of snail poop. Yeah. Not even a snail, snail poop. That's crazy. It's, it's pretty horrible how slow things move, but it was like, I, I, I want to say it was probably less than three months from start to finish with this kid wow. before he was in our house. Wow. 
And what's really great about working with DCF is there's, there's minimal costs involved. Right. Like the state of Oregon actually flew us from Massachusetts to Oregon to meet this kid and then bring him home. Oh, wow. And they paid for our hotel room as well. Well, also when it's that way, I feel like it's making it more accessible for these kids to be in homes. Absolutely. And hopefully the right homes, you know, like forever homes, if they can be, you know, just homes that are. Yeah. And it was fantastic. I mean, you know, he, we knew he had medical needs just like we knew Zach had medical needs previous. Um, And both of the boys thrived when they came to be with us. I mean, we were able to focus all of our attention on them because it was just us two and the two boys and all of our dogs and cats. Yeah. Um, So we had plenty of time, you know, and work and everything like that too. But we were able to, you know, Zach had some medical challenges, quite a few medical challenges those first few years that we had him, uh, multiple hospitalizations, a few surgeries, um, out of control epilepsy. So, you know, feeding difficulties where he was no longer eating on his own and we had to get a G-tube put in. So there's a lot of things that we went through for those first few years. And then all of a sudden he started to stabilize. Mm-hmm. And, and Ty was the same way. I mean, you know, we first got him, it's, it's trying to figure out everything, get him involved with the specialists and then everything kind of stabilized and we were in a great routine. I was like, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should do this again. <laughs> do you know, I think that, you know, we, we've heard this time and time again with almost every special needs parent we've talked to, you know, even when in, in everybody, I feel like it's like you hear the same story, you get a diagnosis or whatever. And those first year, two years, three years is just, it feels like chaos. It, everything Absolutely. is just everywhere. And you're, it, it's almost, I don't even know that if, if it's the child that's not stable or it's that you don't have a stabilization in general, you're just figuring out how things are going to work for you. And then you kind of you figure it out. You, you figure out the doctor's appointments, you have less of them, or you have a routine as, as a couple or as on your own. And you now, you know, okay. And we wake up in the morning, we do X, Y, and Z, and then we're going to go to these appointments and we have school. And now I know how to advocate properly so that if I have to get on the phone with, with, you know, Medicaid, I'm going to do that at this time of day and not on Monday morning, you know, to maximize my time and be efficient. And these are the things I'm going to do. And all of a sudden it's now, this is my norm. Yeah. My life is in chaos. And things stabilize. Well, it's not chaos for us, though, because we get used to it. That it's, well, it it's, is, this now, is life. Yeah. Now you've built that routine. Well, the what I always like to say and how I break it down to everybody is you don't have a, another frame of reference. There's not another life that you lived to be like, oh, yeah, to hold in comparison that well, you this did, is though. different. This is this is not typical and this is not the same because when, you know, um, when we talk about, you know, Eddie and his disabilities, um, people are like, that's crazy. You got to do that. And I'm like, well, no, because he's the only son I've ever had. And for me, it's, you know, us using the bathroom. This is how he uses the bathroom. I didn't have to teach another son a different way how to use the bathroom yeah. compared to Eddie. So it's, it's not different. It's not difficult. It's, it's, that's what it is. And this is, this is where we are. And same with him. He, like people will say, Oh, he's so brave to do this or this at school. I'm like, he won't, he went to school for the first day of school. And this is how he goes to the bathroom because he doesn't know a different way to do something. Or he doesn't know that when he goes to the big E, he takes his wheelchair because his legs get tired. Like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he does now he's getting older. He's realizing that, you know, not everybody takes a wheelchair to the biggie, but <laughs> like this is his norm because he just knows, Oh, I'm a little bit different. So this is how I do things. Like it is. And maybe that's just because that's how we talk to him. But I think that's probably how most parents talk to their kids in general, special needs or not. You just, whatever's normal in your house is your normal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess it was kind of weird for us because, you know, Zach and Ty were our first two kids and, and they were both special needs. And, and I wasn't sure that we knew how to parent a normal or neurotypical typical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. quote unquote normal or neurotypical kid. So I was kind of terrified of, of getting hooked up with DCF after we lost the German Shepherds. Um, but we did, and we got some placements. We had a couple of temporary placements that, that, didn't work out because they went back to their biological family or they went somewhere else. Um, and, and we just kind of along the way started collecting more kids. I mean, we, we had Zach and Ty, then we got Jaden and we had Jaden for, well, I want to say three plus years before he was finally adopted. I love that you say collecting, like it's a bunch of like novelty <laughs> spoons that your grandmother had in her kitchen. Like I just, like those blue plates. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like pottery or something. Once we started collecting them, they just really looked great in our name. kitchen. Yeah, it worked out great. You ha- we had a few at a tag sale here and there. Yeah, Jaden <laughs> came to us when he was two, um, had a lot of behavioral issues, uh, which is something I wasn't used to because neither one of my previous kids knew how to talk. Right. right. <laughs> so now I have this two-year-old chatterbox who never, ever, ever stops talking. Oh, I have a 34-year-old like. one. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought we were going to talk about our son. No, you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Anyways. I talk about mine the same way. I'm like, yeah, this is my oldest child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, it's I okay. mean, how, so what is it like every like, two to three years were you kind of were you guys kind of like oh things are stabilizing let's look into this let's grab another yeah i mean mandy and ryan were they were sibling group they came together so probably about a year and a half to two years after Jaden came we had had a couple of other temporary placements and that's when mandy and ryan came to us and they kind of completed us they yeah you know, the three of them we adopted them actually all in the same year within a few months wow which was kind of neat and scary and cool at the same time. Yeah. 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 And then we kind of decided, you know, after, you know, after number five was adopted, we were done adopting, but we were, you know, we were interested in still doing a little foster here and there. Um, We like to do what's called weekend respite. Okay. And Weekend respite is when a kid comes into foster care on a Friday afternoon and they have nowhere to put them. Got it. So instead of being like in a group home or. Yep. They'll just come stay with us for the weekend and they go back to DCF office on Monday. That oh, seems... so it is the week. Okay. Cause, cause yeah, so the they office are closed. Stay okay, with us for right. the weekend instead of hanging out in the DCF office with a social worker. Oh, they have to stay That's in awesome. that office all day long. That seems terrible. I've heard stories about that. Um, I, you know, because there's so few foster parents and there's so few people willing to take kids who may or may not have special needs or behavioral problems into their homes. <clears throat> It, it sometimes kids are stuck going to group homes. Um, some kids end up in the hospital Ugh. until they can find a soft, a foster placement. So it, it's kind of scary. So we decided to do that. And we got a little girl um, at three months old who was quote unquote neurotypical. 
Um, and it was kind of cool. That's we when I saw for, you out at the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had her for almost three years before she went back to her bi- biological family. Oh, wow. But it was kind of neat because that was the first time I had ever been able to go through all the normal developmental milestones. And you started with a baby. So it's like you had like. I right know. And then I, I, it was kind of cool because I realized that, hey, I really can raise a child yes <laughs> like a real like you know okay. like this, well you did raise children this, 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 yeah but like, like from, from the start, the start. Thing for me because i was never sure that i could actually do yeah. it right oh well, you, you did know, that, i that, know what that, you mean yeah pure angst. Yeah. yeah and from yeah. seed <laughs> like from the beginning like yes. you're raising them from the beginning and like watching them like i know what that feels like like i think like with annabella like we it was so crazy to see her develop into like for that, like when they become something, you're like, Oh, that's not something I taught her. That's her. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and then say, even with Eddie, like there was a lot of things that be- he developed later. So yeah. I was constantly trying to figure out like, is this because this is who he is or is this because of, a developmental thing or did Bella develop faster? And we were constantly, and I remember like an early intervention, they were constantly telling me like, just stop. It really, it yes. just doesn't just matter. <laughs> just hang it's out with you. You have kid. to learn yeah. early is not to compare your children to other people's kids. Cause they all develop at different times. Yeah. Yep. And they're in your house. So they're also just a little bit of a product of you. So you can't yeah. keep comparing them to like other people's kids or even your own other kid. Cause it just doesn't matter. And, of course, I'm type A, so I compare everything to everything. And yeah, <laughs> for me, I was just there to like enjoy the ride. That's like what I, I miss. I miss like I in it, for me like as as a guy and stuff. I feel like I always get like looked at weird and stuff. But like I love like. I love babies. Like, mm-hmm. like, and that's like, we see babies and Kristen looks at me immediately. She's like, no, no, because that's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, and that's what I miss so much having the kids like getting it, it, it cuddles whenever you want, but also you have like yeah. this little puppet that you can, you know, like we were just talking about like Bella, like when she was a baby, like doing that little thing under their throat where they're like, uh, and they all start just laughing and then you start laughing and then you, they get just, she'll look at you uh, and then she expect you to start doing it. And so it was like, and the oh. fart noises on the stomach that makes them laugh. Oh my gosh. Hysterically. Those raspberries. Yeah. Yeah, like, I can't kids. tell you the last time they were like, you do that. Like that's four years old. They're, that's it. Other than that, you're my done. kids are still think it's funny to do it. Oh, no. our kids are You're so lucky. over us. Yeah. Cause I'm like, so like starved for affection. Like with them, I'm like, guys, come give me daddy a group hug. And he was like, get out of here, dad. I'm and like, I'm a hugger. I'm a toucher. I'm a hugger. Like I, I touch yeah. your arm when I talk to you. So yep. it's, it's, I've always been all over the kids. Like I, I hug a lot. I, it, it's funny because my girlfriend's kids, um, they're not huggers. They're not touchy kids, but you know, in the past year that we've been hanging out, the two families have been hanging out. It's like the kids expect a hug from me now. That's so great. And her, her youngest is got sensory issues. So he doesn't like people touching him. And even though it doesn't hurt, he goes, ow, ow, ow. Oh yeah. I got a kid like that. We've got one like that. He still lets me hug him. Yeah. Break down those barriers, man. Awesome. And I love it. Yeah, (laughs) That's what you do, dude. Like hugs, hugs. Eddie's very physical, like very sensory like that way. And I'm the opposite. 
And so our kids, I mean, I'm not with the kids, but just in general. And our kids are very much like that. Like, but Bella is don't go anywhere near her. Don't touch her. Don't anything. She's like, and she'll oh say, ow. She'll be like, ow. I'm like, no one even came near you. And then little Eddie all day long. Well, can I just have a hug? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hug? yeah. We'll hug all day. Yeah. yeah. Did you, you say you want a hug? I'll be right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, if I always want affection from the kids, but God forbid if Dennis touches me, I'm like, oh, don't touch me. Get away from me. <laughs> so funny. Don't hug me. Go away. <laughs> so we're curious. I mean, it, I know to you, it, and like you said, like, oh, you know, and then we just started collecting them or we, you know, we were looking to start a family. And so this is the route. But, you know, with us, like we say, we this was our norm. You know, we, we were given a diagnosis with our son, you know, that, that was our diagnosis. So we had to make this our norm, right? Mm -hmm. For you, you, you made a conscious effort. You, someone came to you and said, Hey, you know, we have this with, with Zach. I mean, we didn't know what his medical needs were. Okay. At that point, he was three months old. We knew he had had seizures at birth. We knew that he had been intubated at birth. Um, But we didn't know what the future was going to hold. And basically, the doctor said, you're not going to know what he's going to be like until he starts missing milestones. Got it. So you you didn't know what medical future you were walking into. Necessarily. Not with Zach, no, Got no. It. And and it's funny because Dennis was pretty kind of actually gung ho about taking Zach. And not because I didn't want Zach, but yeah. because I'm a realist and I'm a nurse and I know what kind of things could That's happen. Funny. I kind of tried to talk him out of it a little bit just to make sure he was a hundred percent on board. Yes. I, I get um, that. And, yeah. And he we passed the test. We uh we I think we're similar, like our personalities, like when we got Eddie's diagnosis we say this a lot. Like Eddie was big. Eddie was very like, bring it on. Yeah, Bring it, <laughs> bring it on. We got this. This is nothing. Like, we can handle anything. And I remember I was very like, I'm just a realist. So I look at all of the like worst case scenario yeah, first. Absolutely. And then I say, can I handle worst case? And I remember saying to the doctor, like what's worst case. And they were like, well, you don't know if you're in worst. And I was like, I need to hear a worst case scenario so that mm-hmm. we can decide if we can handle worst case. And then if we can, okay, but I need to put myself in all of the situations before I can truly wrap my head around everything. Well, yeah, and let you're me braver be, than I am. Yeah. I never asked for worst case because I'm a nurse. I knew what worst case was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think otherwise I would have my, I would have just been going down this like, you know, rabbit hole rabbit and hole. Oh, anxiety yeah. ridden. Yeah. Well, I want to be clear, like, you know, I was like, bring it on, but that was after, you know, I fully supported you to choose, you know, make your choice. You do what you felt was right. Like, I respect you, you know, as a woman, um, and that's not my body and my choice. So I just want you to know, I stand behind you. Good. Wouldn't have mattered. 100%. You wouldn't have had a choice. I your choice. So moving on. With me, it was like, I was the same way. I, I listened to what was going on. I listened to what I needed to do. And, and I was, I was okay, what's the next step? Okay. Yeah. He's not feeding properly. I've been telling you this. Yeah. I've been telling these doctors he's not feeding right. I'm having to practically force feed him. He won't take the bottle. Well, he's not losing weight. Well, yeah, because I'm making it neat. Yeah. But it, it, it's, so it's, it's, let's make the next, next steps. And then once everything was accomplished, that's when I broke down and had my little meltdowns and my little crying fits. Which and, you have to have. 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to let that emotion out, but it's, it's like, I try to be the strong one until everything's done. Like mm-hmm. every hospitalization it's, you go through and you, you, you deal with the intubations and the seizures and the infections and you, you deal with all of that. And you, you finally, you know, you win your little battles and he gets taken off the ventilator and graduates down to high flow oxygen. And then he graduates from high flow oxygen down to a regular nasal cannula. And then you're excited and you finally get to go home. And on the way home from the hospital is when you break down and, and you know, you call mommy and mommy is like, I know, I know. And and you just kind of freak out and do your thing. And then you move on with your life. Yeah. And well, that's kind of how I, and then life gets it. normal again. And then, well, it's not just normal. You get your new normal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not always normal again. You, you have, I, I remember one time Zach went in for RSV and I freaking hate RSV oh, because he had we've it been four there. five times. Yeah. The nebulizer and all that fun stuff for months. Yep. So one time he went in for RSV and he ended up having to go home on oxygen, which was a little rough. I mean, you know, this is a new normal for us and we worked really hard and we did a lot of pulmonary exercises for him and got him back on track and got him off the oxygen. It was fantastic. It was really great. We got him off the oxygen and then the following fall he had RSV again. And Ain't that a kick in the nuts. able to get him off the oxygen. So he's been oh. on oxygen since he's about two years old. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's your new normal. So that's my normal, my new normal. Yeah. With all the respiratory treatments, you know, the seizures got really bad for a while and we dealt with the seizures and now the seizures are a lot better. But then my second oldest tie who has um, developmental delays and autism and he has a feeding tube and, and this kid who had not had a seizure since he was a baby, all of a sudden two years ago started having seizures again. <laughs> Real quick. I wanted to get this little zinger in here back, back when you're talking about um, you were like, oh, Oregon flew us out there. And I was like, of course they're going to fly you out there. And I hear nobody makes it out through the trail. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's, that's all I want to get out I'm there. Use I'm, sorry. That later. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> plugging that. <laughs> I'm going to edit that in. It'll be great. So great. let's oh, see. Yeah. Let's get back to our questions. Cause I forgot. Um, <laughs> classic me. Okay. We're just BS. I know I'll do that. And then I forget. Eddie is dying <laughs> to ask you. Cause I think he's really interested in this with everybody that we talk to, but specifically you guys, oh, yep. but the connection of, Anyone that that does good, we feel that foster care adoption is doing good. I mean, you're making a difference in these children's lives. You you're yes, you started a family and you're having a family, but you choose to have five children and you're making a difference in five children's lives. What was your childhood like? What do you think that there's a correlation between, you know, your childhood and choices you're making to make these children's lives better? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I was, I was the oldest of three at home growing up. Um, and I was, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I was kind of really disconnected from my family, um, growing up because I just felt different mm-hmm. and I didn't, I don't know. I didn't mature well. Like physically I matured early. Okay. I think I was around 11 when I was in full bloom puberty. You got your breasts early. You got your. Yep. Yeah, you know, <laughs> hair in places that would, that's appalling. Yeah. It was kind of creepy, but 
mentally, I didn't mature until I was much older. Like I was 16 or 17 before I started to mentally mature. Um, my parents were hard workers. My dad was in the military. He had a part-time job. My mom always worked full-time. So it was mostly just the kids that were home. We were, we were latchkey kids yeah. Yeah. from the eighties and nineties. So yeah. we were always, you know, we were mostly home alone Yep. on military bases. So of course it was a lot safer for us. Um, we lived overseas. So I mean, I lived in Germany for 11 years with my family and then another three years on my own when I was in the military. So my upbringing was a little bit different from, you know, yours or, or most other people who are born here in the States. I I have friends right now who've never been out of this, out of new England. Yeah. And I grew up four hours from Paris. Yeah. Getting to travel and see different things. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, I always knew from a young age that I wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know what gay was. I knew it was a bad word. I didn't know that it meant that I wanted Timmy to kiss me instead of Susie to kiss me. <laughs> so I didn't, that's, that's where my, my lack of maturity as a, as a teenager kind of, kind of shot me a little bit. Cause I didn't realize that, that the way I was feeling wasn't normal. Yeah. Uh, until I was a little bit older. And then I had some really weird experiences that kind of turned me off from the whole thing anyways. <laughs> Eddie wanted Susie some and Julie people. and Tina and everybody else to kiss him. <laughs> and I wasn't like that. I wasn't yeah. like a horn dog teenager. Huh. It wasn't your typical red blooded American horn dog teenager that just wanted to me everything that wouldn't run. Right. Right. Um, and that wasn't me. I had no interest in sex. Now, were you like a paternal figure with your, with your siblings? Like as the oldest child, were you like a typical older child just taking care of the siblings? Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my middle brother is, he's a year and a half younger than I am. And I constantly bossed him around and told him what to do. He hated it. Yeah. Yeah, We used to get in fist fights all the time. It was funny. Yeah. So you have that (laughs) typical kind of personality, I think, you know, where I always think that, but then I don't feel like I have that personality, but I only have one sibling, but I think someone who has more than one sibling and they're the oldest, I think has kind of that personality. Well, to be brother, like that. He's eight years younger than I am. Oh, so a lot younger. So when I was, so you were in a caretaker role in a little bit of a way. I was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was helping to take care of my baby brother. Um, you see, my mom had him when I was seven. Oh, kind of like you. Yeah. Well, it was 10 so, and 13. And he slept in my room too. So, you know, I would be the one who woke up with him in the middle of the night and got him his bottle. Ah. I would, oh, no you shit. know, my mom's off to work at four o'clock in the morning. I would be getting him ready for my dad to pick up for daycare. Oh, so you were set to be <laughs> so, in that I, role. I, I guess looking back, you could kind of say it was a setup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we got, it's we their fault. Married. It's their fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to go about it a different way because neither one of us have a uterus. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably a good thing, because if I had a uterus, I'd probably have like 12 kids. No, you wouldn't. Trust me. (laughs) I don't know. A lot that goes with that. I was naive as a teenager. I'm pretty sure I would have been a knocked up girl at at 16. Let me tell you. A lot. You'd have one and you'd be like, never mind. Never mind. Never again. You haven't been there. (laughs) It's not all it's cracked up to me. (laughs) 
no, but I mean, so, yeah, I already, yeah. I always knew that I wanted to have a big family. Yeah. Um, and I never really thought that I'd have five or, or potentially seven yeah. if this placement works out. Um, but you know, it, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Well, and I a think foster parent when DCF calls you and they're like, Hey, I got a placement. Are you interested? I'm like, oh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? We'll make that work. Now, do you think like you'll just know when you're kind of completed as a family and you guys are ready? Yeah, well, so DCF has rules. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that makes you sense. Can, they should probably. They, exactly. You're, you're not supposed to have more than six. Okay. Um, but because this, this, uh, these two boys that we're looking at right now, because they're a sibling group and they're a little older than normal adopted kids, mm-hmm. um, they're going to give us, potentially we're going to get a waiver to allow us to take a, a seventh. Got it. And do you typically we'll only we'll do foster down. to adoption? Do you <laughs> they were shutting business down. All right. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> uterus is closed. That <laughs> uterus. <laughs> the, the DCF uterus is closed. Um, we originally went into this as foster to adopt. Okay. Um, but we, we had many foster placements that we knew were only temporary. Okay. It's, you know, when we're looking for the right fit, mm-hmm. um, right. sometimes we'll take kids that are just temporary placements, but that's kind of how Jaden ended up with us. He yeah. was an emergency, emergency placement. Social worker said, Hey, I got a kid that needs a place to go starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Cause his foster family, um, uh, they, they need him gone. Yeah. So uh, that's how Jaden ended up here and and he's still here. Wow. He'll be 10 this year. I love it. So it's kind of crazy. I love it for them. Yeah. I love it for them. I think it's great. Well, because that's, you know, I like, I'm, I was really excited about this. uh, I can see how excited you are on your Um, face. You're so excited. Well, no, because, because that's, that's something that I like, I absolutely admire, you know, and it was, um, I, re- I remember we were over at some, like, it was like the taste of no, something. We were at the fundraiser for Chris and we ran oh, into yeah. them. Okay. Yeah. And so we well, had ran. Yep, yeah. yep. So we had ran into you and you know, there you are with all with your all kids. kids and I'm just like, by yourself, by yourself. And I'm just like, I can't. No, Dennis was there. Yes, we, know. Okay, we okay. also saw you at the two adults to five children. <laughs> That's oh, still okay. insane. Like, because, like, in my philosophy, the adults should outnumber the kids. And well, I can't. You know, I. <laughs> so you guys it's have a not system. Just Dennis and I. Yeah, his mom lives with us too. Okay, so you have a little bit extra support. So she does help. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm not that big of a saint because my mother-in-law lives with us. No, and no, she you're still pretty big. Fantastic. And I don't know if we'd be able to do it without her. Yeah. So, so you're a, you're a, in the Starbucks world, you're like a grande size <laughs> saint. Well, that's what <laughs> I mean. Even regardless, there was still the initiative to move forward with this role, to, to take these children, to, to you guys have put yourself in the situation where you have this, you know, large family. Know, he's going to continuously act like this was just happenstance, but, and be modest. But I really, truly believe that you don't even yeah. realize is he, I, like, I admire it. Like I absolutely between what, what you and Dennis do. Like I just, I just admire that. I admire just you, you know the person you are because that's huge. It's it's a big part of what the world around us is missing, and it's just it's so nice. And man. as a and team, like, doing it as a team, the team dude, you're like, doing. I, I love like just you know when I get to see the posts and stuff, and then like I'm jealous. You know when you you guys are out there, I'm like I'm so jealous. Like I don't have, I, I'm sure. 
Okay, what I know I have? could. No, <laughs> no like I'm kidding. sure if we were put in that position, in that same position, like I, I would be able to handle it. But yeah. it's just like I, I couldn't wrap my head around that right now. But it's yeah. our new normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So every time it happens, it's our new normal. And and you know, I'm I'm kind of selfish. I mean, I wanted to have all these kids. It's, yeah. You know, I might be a little flippant about it and say, yeah, we're just collecting kids. But no, I wanted every single one of these kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm seriously glad that we did this. Um, and when I, when, you know, people ask me what I do, um, you know, the first thing I said is I'm a dad Yeah. Yeah. because that is my primary responsibility. I mean, yeah, I go to work and I earn a living and I have a really good job that, that pays well and it allows us to have nice things, but my primary responsibility is dad. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's, that's most important to me as being a dad. Poor Dennis. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. Stop. <laughs> well, come first. Sorry. I think like the big thing that, you know, we haven't really said, but I think it's huge is the fact that you guys are clearly a fantastic team and on the same page or this wouldn't work. Well, I mean, you know, we have our struggles just like everybody else. We fight, we bicker, yeah. we screamed at each other this afternoon. And, and so, so did we <laughs> yeah i mean we told each other where to stuff it like he was going to go do something i said don't come back <laughs> he says fine and he slammed the door and then he called me a minute later and he's like hey what was the number to that thing <laughs> well there's nowhere to go right now we're stuck in this stupid coronavirus i'm stuck with him 24 <laughs> 7 you're welcome you you know how many people would kill to be in that position, Kristen? There's at least like two people in this world that would kill to be in that same, that position. Not me. Oh my, my mom. I'm and then person. I love to be social and I like to see people. I love going to work because I get to interact with people. Yeah. So it's it's been a little tough uh, since this pandemic has started to uh, to focus on trying. It's just, this is all crazy. Yeah. This, this is definite craziness. It's insane. It's like the twilight zone. New normal. And then there's this huge fear and anxiety that one of us is going to get it and we're going to give it to Zach and uh, kill him. Oh, That's I can't imagine. Fear. We have a fear over it. And, on a, and for us, it's so much more minimal. You know, like I have a fear that we'll give it to Eddie. And I know that, I know that if Eddie gets it, he probably won't even get it. But we know that any infection could affect Eddie. But I yeah, also absolutely. know that like for Eddie, his immune system is strong. And so we're probably okay. But I also, it doesn't matter to me. Like any infection puts him in the hospital. There's no choice yeah. for us. But I can't imagine being in your world where it, it's you know if it walks in that house, you're done. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, Zach's life expectancy is 25 to 30 years. Jeez. That's it. I mean, he is a, he's a, a, Oh, there's a scale that they use for cerebral palsy kids. Um, and it's like GFCS, I think, I don't know what it stands for, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's, there's level one to five and five is the most severe. Um, and Zach is a five. Okay. Now, do you ever wonder, like, I see this a lot, like even with Eddie's diagnosis, they, the life expense expectancy keeps changing because so quickly the medical, community is changing and what they can do for kids. Absolutely. They're learning things so quickly. Yeah. Um, The thing with Zach is, is, you know, cerebral palsy may be his main diagnosis, but that's not going to kill him. Mm -hmm. Um, What's going to get him eventually is either his epilepsy or his chronic lung disease. Yep. He's, he's such a fighter. Zach is a a huge fighter and he's come back from so many life threatening things, but this, this coronavirus is, it's terrifying because it, 
this disease really hits people with his kind of problems really, really hard. Yeah. Oh, and it's so fast. I mean, there's no, you can't, there's no time to fight it. It's just like, bam. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that we stay, that we kind of were on this topic of the foster care adoption system. I think it's really good for our, I say for our listeners, I keep saying this with the last couple of guests, cause we're so new, we haven't released any episodes yet, but I'm willing that we're going to have so many listeners. Millions. That millions that that this is, you know, this I think that this is going to be important to them. And so I know that we had an initial topic, but I think that this topic is beneficial and informative. And I'd like, you know, I think that. Well, absolutely. And, you know, anytime I talk necessary. about fostering and foster care and DCF, I always have to put in the plug that we DCF and foster parents. DCF is desperate for foster parents who are willing to take kids with medical needs. Yeah. I can't and imagine. There's probably so many out there. Simple medical needs like epilepsy or diabetes or or even, you know, uh, cystic fibrosis. Yeah, Kristen. You know, those kind of things that are kind of simple. They're desperate for foster parents that are willing to take. So anybody in the special needs community or anybody, period, yeah. who's willing, um, they can be trained in how to take care of kids with any kind of medical needs. And so that's my, my I would say, like, for my big, biggest question, and I'm in the special needs community, but I would say, you know, what's the biggest misconception? Is it that people assume that it's going to be too hard of an undertaking and that they won't know, be able to handle a child with a need. Because I would guess that a lot of these kids that are lumped in there probably may just have some emotional needs as well that are easy Absolutely. to handle. Absolutely. I mean, there's some kind of trauma with these kids. I mean, whether it's the trauma from being removed from their biological family or if it's um, domestic violence that they witnessed or, or drug use or, or maybe they were neglected. Um, there's a lot of different traumas that can cause behavioral issues as well as kid, having kids with medical issues. And is there a lot of support from DCF and Absolutely. the agencies that are given to these families so that, you know, do, do they like, is that something to tell them that like they will get all the support that they need yep. in this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kids with medical complexity, um, you know, Anybody who's interested in fostering those kids, um, a lot of times those kids will qualify for a special program called Special Kids Special Care. And it's, uh, it's a case management program that is directly through MassHealth that helps them uh, manage the kids' care as well as uh, help coordinate the appointments, um, push through prior authorizations and referrals. So it's a really cool program. Awesome. And, and I know you're not like an expert in this, but... Is this something, do you know, like across the board, DCF wise in other states as well, do they offer these same kind of resources? Not necessarily. I mean, it's best to contact the, your, your local DCF wherever you are. Um, I know that in Massachusetts, the, the DCF system is pretty robust. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of support. They've hired a bunch of new social workers to help reduce caseloads. Um, they have programs like Special Kids Special Care that help. There's case management programs for behavioral kids. Um, there are contracted agencies that do foster care. So it's a big, huge, robust system in Massachusetts, at least. Awesome. Um, and, you know... <laughs> 
DCF, like any employer, has really great workers and some workers so that need workers. some prodding. So, yeah. you know, I mean, one thing I say to people is that if you have a worker that needs some prodding, don't forget that worker has a supervisor. Yeah. Right. And that supervisor would rather hear from you that there's a problem than for everything to blow up and a child needs to be placed somewhere else because you didn't get the support you needed. Yeah. Right. And that's and great. Anything from parent aids to um, they can hook you up with therapy. Uh, a lot of kids who are uh, birth to three uh, will automatically qualify for early intervention, even if they don't have developmental delays. Okay. So there's a lot of things that they can put in place to help stabilize a placement for somebody who wants to take a child. And we know, I've said this time and time again, any kid birth to three would benefit from early intervention. I've learned Uh, this over and over. And to be honest, I think that any kid from birth to five would benefit from early intervention. For sure. Those kids that fall through the cracks, like your kids who age out of early intervention, but they aren't severe, quote unquote, severe enough with needs to get into the preschool, preschool yes. system the school. Those kids fall through the cracks and they really need to, to have extended services for early intervention. And I really wish that this state would get on board with that. Yeah. And there's a lot of towns that don't have preschools. Yeah. A lot of towns don't have preschools. Yeah. I mean, I love that we live in a town that does have a preschool opportunity. Not every kid can get it. You're on a waiting list. You're on like, it's like a lottery, but most kids have the opportunity in their area to jump in and spring in the town that we're in. But I almost, whatever. Almost did it. But most, um, I mean, it's not hard to do a Google search, but um, it's, I, I know that most towns don't have this, you know, free public access to preschool. And it's crazy to me that, that isn't accessible because yeah, you're going to get me on my soapbox because it's I so think beneficial. That, well, I think that child care in this country should be free. Yes. Well, let's talk like, about those, crazy. those situations. Um, I kind of think it all kind of tangles together and we wouldn't have this opportunity to create, you know, this podcast if we didn't have Early these issues. We just all these issues together. Um, you know, when we do, when we talk about, you know, early intervention, but just childcare altogether, um, because that plays a huge role with, for all children, including children with disabilities. Um, I think that, you know, all of that kind of tangles together. So it's a, a good thing that we're kind of kicking it off and yeah. getting this thing rolling because creating waves is how you get that change how 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 we get those you know the progress that we're looking for absolutely Um, i agree i mean you know back in 2008 when zach came to live with us there were no support groups in the area there was no there were no support groups for um for cerebral palsy nothing for epilepsy i couldn't find anybody to talk to other than my child's physicians i knew no other special needs parents so I felt like we were traveling this journey all by ourselves. We keep hearing that. What would right. you say to parents in this that are in the same situation right now, coming in new or something, how to find that resource, that group, those other parents that feel like they're coming in this alone. They don't know other, you know, parents with the same, like we're learning. I know the same thing. I felt like there's nobody else that, whose child has this disability. And then I find there's five or six kids in the same town when I thought 
this was such a rare thing. Absolutely. What advice would you give those parents that just feel alone at the moment? If I would have known at the time, my first phone call would have been to the Federation for Children with Special Needs. Okay. They have, it's a Massachusetts-based group. They have a lot of fantastic, amazing resources. They have a parent support line. They have, uh, they have an arm called Family Ties who does trainings, like let's get organized and, excuse me, and, and how to organize all your medical stuff. Um, there is family, uh, not just family ties, but the Federation, they, they have so many resources available to them. Um, and they can help point you in the right direction. You know, if they can't help you, maybe Easter seals can help you, but they can always tell you where to go to find better resources. So really just reach out and ask just say hey my child just got this diagnosis of a b or c what do i do now yep and they are fantastic at pointing you in the right direction if i would have known that when zach uh was first diagnosed uh, i would have it would have been so much easier for us um you know it was funny for me so my special needs journey um you know after zach was finally stabilized and he was we were at our new normal and he wasn't having as many hospitalizations his physician um who was absolutely amazing dr pixie Plummer. i will love her till the day i die that's the best name ever she was fantastic unfortunately she moved back to the midwest to open a complex care clinic and pixie desperately. pixie Plummer. Yeah, yes. he made that up right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Pixie Plummer. First of all, me. that's a cover name for a superhero because if anybody knows Clark Kent, um, one of the other ones, like, you know, they all have the BB. Pixie the, Plummer. The, that's fantastic. Yeah, Plummer. yeah, that was her Clark Kent name because yeah. she definitely was a superhero. She was a physician. She was a pediatrician who specialized with kids with complex medical needs. That's great. So she was the one who let me know that um, there were actually family leadership courses that you could take to learn how to be a family leader. So um, I took a, there's a mass DPH, Department of Public Health has a family leadership series that I took with that was actually super fantastic. And I learned a ton of stuff. I met a lot of other special needs parents and it was just, it really gave me a better voice to help my kids because it was a better way to focus my energy. Yeah. Was Dennis okay with you being like, I want to be the leader. <laughs> I'm going to the courses. He's like, all right, he fine. He <laughs> was fine with that because he's more like a backseat driver. There you go. Yeah. I was, you know, what's ironic is a few years ago, I would have never been able to sit here and talk to you guys like this. Yeah. I was very shy. Um, not a whole lot of self-confidence. And after taking these family leadership classes, you get to find that inner voice inside you and it helps you bring you out of your shell and give you more confidence. You learn more, you learn more about the law because they definitely teach a lot about the law, the special needs laws that you help protect your children. Um, There's IEP classes where you can get to learn the fundamentals of IEPs and 504s. There's, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And the more you know, the more you can advocate for your child. Right. And a few years ago, I actually um, did something I never, ever thought I would be able to do. And I actually got up at the state house, the Massachusetts state house and gave a speech in front of a lot of um, leaders about uh, one of the critical needs for my family is the lack of private duty nursing. Yep. 
So Zach gets nursing hours because of his multiple disabilities. And especially out in Western Mass, where we live, there is a huge deficit in, in private home care nurses that are funded through Mass Health or, or Massachusetts Medicaid. Yeah. That's right. And, and I, I couldn't believe that, that these groups, these leadership classes that I had taken gave me the, the, the balls to be able to stand up in front of the state house, in front of representatives and senators and, and industry leaders to tell them my story about why my child needed um, the ability to get more nursing care. Well, I think having that voice, I mean, other guests that we've had on have said the same thing, like having a voice and being an advocate helps your child be an advocate for themselves in the future. Seeing you be an advocate and being a leader is going to help them if they're, even if they're sitting in a doctor's office and a doctor says to them, you're going to take this medication. It's going to give them a voice to turn back to that doctor and say, no, I don't want to be on that medication. I don't like that side effect. I want this medication. Mm -hmm. They need to feel that they have the strength and the power to say no. Absolutely. Because you've done it as a parent. And and when you don't have that voice as a parent, I know I've done it. There's been times I've sat in a doctor's office and just said, oh, you're the doctor. So you must know what's right. And And they don't always. They don't. I mean, I'm with them every day. Mm-hmm. And well, there's been times where in the same, you know, same aspect you said in the doctor's office is like, no, I know you're wrong. You know, like, yeah. I have this feeling in my gut, you know, yeah. I just feel like this is where we, and how many times have we done that? And then we came home and you're like, I'm so glad I spoke up. You yeah. know, I, I feel like we made the right decision. Yeah. And I'm just like, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Cause that's, that's knowledge all, is power. Yep. Yeah. And, and advocacy is, is power and being a voice for your child when your child can't use their own voice is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Um, they, these, it's huge to know that there's a community out there and you need to find it and, and where to find it and utilizing it properly, I think is huge. Yeah. And even if your state doesn't have something like um, the Federation for Children with Special Needs, um, a call to the Department of Public Health may be able to point you in the right direction. Okay. That's actually huge. I didn't even think so. Like that's always something you think of. Like you think of the department of public health as just an agency that oversees something and not necessarily. And makes a lot of rules and enforces. Yeah. Them. Enforces something. It doesn't necessarily have tools to help guide you, but they yeah, probably so, have all of that. So Massachusetts DPH also has a community care line, which is able to get people in touch with resources and not just special needs resources, but any kind of resource. Oh, that's great. You're actually fantastic. Our uh, Massachusetts DPH also has a a small division called, um, it's the Division of Children and Youth with Special Health Needs. Oh, wow. So it's like specific. Very specific, yes. And and I know the director of that division. She's actually a special needs mom. Oh, well, that's always the best. That's how it starts, you know? Yeah, that's how people get involved, right? Well, what we'll do is at when we put this up on all of our socials, I'll make sure we link all of the things that we've mentioned. Cause I think that they're really good resources for anyone listening. Um, awesome. I don't think we yep. normally have so many, but I think that there, I know as a parent, I'm always looking for resources and then someone I'll listen to something while I'm driving in my car and I'm not necessarily remembering. And mm-hmm. I always think, Oh, I wish they, they linked that and I can go back. And have you guys been to the Federation's it. conference yet? I have not. We went to meek. Yeah, um, Meek was pretty cool, but and, that's more of an yeah. early intervention. Or yeah, early but they're usually like there as a booth. 
And I think we've talked about, we've never been to any so of those every, every year, it's usually like the end of February, beginning of March, the Federation puts on a conference at um, the seaport in Boston. Okay. And it's all about special needs. Oh, we'll have to check it out. That's all it is, is special needs. It's an all-day Saturday conference, and it's they have vendors set up. They have a lot of different oh, sessions that you can go in. I think this did it just get it can't did it was it supposed to be at the end, March and it got canceled because of COVID? No, it didn't. It's actually on February 29th. Okay, this year. we missed it then. Yeah, this is a different one. Yeah. But it's a pretty awesome conference and, and you get to meet a lot of special needs parents there. Oh, we'll definitely check it out next year. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I go every year, even though some of the stuff can be a little redundant. Sometimes it's, it's a pretty awesome conference. Yeah. You might get something each time. Exactly. I pick up something new every time I go. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm usually free in the evenings. Perfect. We'll definitely have you on again. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please make sure you share with a friend and leave a review. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode on our Facebook or Instagram on at special about special. Thanks again and we'll see you soon.